Heads up, audio listeners, you're about to hear a videotaped conversation. For the full experience, you'll find the video version of this episode on Spotify or YouTube. Being cute is better than being hot. No, it isn't. Yeah, cute's a lot better. The best things in life are cute. Like little puppies and kittens. Little cheeseburgers. Little erasers shaped like penguins. Hamsters. Yeah, I guess I am pretty cute. Oh, God. Let's just go steal some ice. That is a scene from The Riddle of Fire, the debut feature from Weston Rizzuli. It's about these three very cute kids set loose in a very weird world. All they want to do is play video games. Instead, armed only with paintball guns and attitude, they end up facing off with a family of actual witches. Shot on 16mm, it's part 70s Disney adventure, part Goonies, all directed with the tender touch of Truffaut. And it's one of the few films I saw at Cannes where the filmmakers seemed like they were actually having a blast. I'm Rico Galliano. This is the Movie Podcast. Welcome to a special season of conversations from the 2023 Cannes Film Festival. This is episode four, Weston Rizzuli talking about the riddle of fire and also about the after party they had the night it premiered. Yeah, we had a massive party, um, Chateau de Fieu, Chateau of Fire uh, at this villa. We like... Um, that's not actually what it's called. No, you we named I it. named it that. Yeah, it's at this villa, but I named it Chateau de Fieu. Um, and we had like a paintball gun range with like legit paintball guns and this like magic tent. And we had Disco Bambino, the sick DJ. Um, yeah, we played Italo Disco and oh it was God. crazy. Yeah, uh, my producer, David Atrakshi, uh, he kind of put the put the thing together. What um, is a magic tent? Was it just a tent? It was a magic? magical tent. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't magical or was there magic being done in the There tent? was, it was magical, just some <laughs> magical tent. Uh, but yeah, there was like a spice trader in there uh, you could go see and talk to. And Wait, there's a spice trader? Yeah. What does that yeah, mean? Seen. What? Just seen the spice trader. What does that mean? He like trades spice and you could go <laughs> talk to him and he could tell you like about spice, the spice trade. Yeah. Why is he? He's pretty sick. It makes sense to me somehow. This is like pretty classic about all of your movies for me. It makes sense to me, but I don't know why. Like, I, I don't know why a <laughs> spice cool. trader should be in the magic tent at Cannes, but like, that makes sense. It was a surprise for me, actually. I was blown away by it. Like, I didn't, I, I arrived and, and it was like a huge surprise uh, the, for the me. The spice trader or the magic tent? Both. Yeah. <laughs> but in the paintball gun range, though, it was like legit. Like, it was actually pretty dangerous, I think. Like, yeah. It was, uh, it paintball was, guns, for those who haven't seen the movie yet, paintball guns play no. a major role in this movie. Yeah. And we had a gun range with like gnomes and mushrooms and things. Yeah. In the movie, a lot of gnome, like garden gnomes, get destroyed by. <laughs> high velocity paintballs uh, yeah that is actually one of my favorite scenes just yeah. because it's so pointless they're just like yeah. hanging out talking and killing gnomes yeah. with paintballs yeah it's what you do if you are a kid with a paintball gun and you have a second to kill while you wait this oh. is a great segue into my f first question now that we're halfway through this interview is like it, so it's a movie about childhood i have to ask about your childhood what mm -hmm. where did you grow up what was it like 
Um, yeah, I grew up in, uh, I grew actually grew up in Park City, Utah, um, for the most part and did a lot of the stuff that's in the movie, rode dirt bikes, uh, paintballed in the mountains with my friends, um, played airsoft, D and D like LARPing, um, let's stop the there LARPing. So I know what LARPing is for those who don't tell them live action role play. You like dress up, um, in armor or medieval clothes and you have swords, but like foam, they're like PV. We, we build all of it. It's like a PVC pipe with like a foam thing on it. And then we duct tape everything and then you can wail on each other and it still hurts a lot. And we'd also do arrows. Like we'd, you'd put like a little foam tip on the arrow and duct tape it. And it would, it would hurt like as much as a paintball, but you shoot each other with bone arrows and stuff. Were you, you know, the, whatever version of the dungeon master would be for that. Were you creating these scenarios? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you were already a director is what I'm getting. Yeah. At yeah. I think a lot of directors I know like were dungeon masters and it's, it's a similar thing. Yeah. You're making a story. And is that true? What other directors are, are dungeon? Oh, masters? my personal friends. I mean, uh, okay. just, or personal uh, friends uh, like uh, mine that are, are, Directors, I yeah. I want you to tell me that like Steve McQueen was a dungeon master. Oh yeah, yeah. No, um, Igmar Bergman. He's like, yeah, <laughs> he was he, huge. Yeah, he was yeah. way deal. He like would always like very powerful monsters. He'd have sick monsters. Yeah, he would really have crazy ones. Yeah, Death had a I would, lot of. I would dice. love to play a game of D anD D with him. With him as a, as a dungeon master, that'd be sick. <laughs> what you need to do right now is do remake of the Seven no, Seal where hey, they're playing no, Dungeons no. and Dragons no. instead oh, of chess. Eh, yeah, I don't know. No, Come okay. on. Okay, sure. Yeah, what? Okay. this is yeah, <laughs> and then I get ten percent. Okay, yeah, exactly. So there's your childhood. Mm -hmm. All of that is in the DNA of this movie. Yeah, clearly. But I still have to ask you. Like I read somewhere that you have like an armful of scripts of many different genres. Why pick this movie? This kind of like kid adventure quest movie for your first feature. Yeah, I, I I've written several scripts, um, but they're they're sort of all the budgets just were like too high. You know, I'd write a script with the, the kind of like higher budget, lower budget, lower budget, lower budget, and then finally it was like I got I had to make something like super cheap. And for some reason, I thought I, I was like, okay, I'm going to write a simple script that's just going to be like four kids on a venture in the woods, and I'll shoot in my hometown. It'll be really cheap and easy and it's like no it's not at all and like i have Four this kids part was your first problem yeah i have this problem too like i i like to write i just naturally write adventure stories so like every scene is a different location which is really hard you know on for production but i just it's like what i do i don't know kids are funny they're just funny characters and like i i, I like the idea of like mischievous kids just kind of like i don't know beating up mean adults or like getting revenge on adults and like I don't know, sneaking around, like kind of like playing, pranking adults and stuff. Um, and yeah, it's just funny to me. Let, tell me about finding those kids, particularly. Let's start with Jody. We okay. were uh, before we started rolling. We were talking about Jody. Uh, Jody apparently picked people's outfits that they wore to your premiere. Is that right? First of all, yeah, I think so. He he, yeah, they wore these like he picked a green like snakeskin style uh, three piece suit, and then. I think he showed it to Charlie Stover, the other actor, and he was like, he found it in blue. So then they were kind of matching. They were. I was yeah. there at the premiere. It was. Yeah. They were amazing. It like, was fun. Yeah. It was one day great. I hope to grow up to be those kids. <laughs> yeah. But like, so finding him mm -hmm. 
He's like such a little like adorable beast of a child. Yeah. Where did you tell me about casting? So um, I had a great casting director named Jeff Johnson, who's like the premier casting director of Utah. Um, he casts like um, uh, many movies that have good, great movies that have shot there. He, he was one of the tapes that was sent to me. And he was Skylar Peters, who plays Jody, was like, he was literally the only kid who made me laugh. Okay, this is the big question that I started having about 10 minutes into the film. All of his dialogue is subtitled. Yeah. Did Was that written that way or were you just like turning a weakness into a strength? Like, I can't understand this child. Yeah. No, that was not planned. We start shooting and he starts talking. He goes, hey, so what, what are we going to do? We gonna, like, what are we going to do? And I was like, oh, I've fucked up. You cannot understand him. And I was like panicking and we're roll, we're running around and we're, oh we're, we're, we're behind schedule. And I'm like, what do I do? And I was like, I guess we just have to shoot. Like we have to just shoot this day. I felt terrible. But and then at the, the end of the day, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, do, what are we? And then I, I had, I had the idea like, oh, if we subtitle him, it'll be great. Give a chew down the spine, go get it. I'm not touching that demon. Let's just go take a bag of ice from the market. Come on, it's tame, but it's kind of cute. Yeah, Jody, it kind of looks like you. You're cute. I'm not cute, I'm hot. He's also the most eloquent one, <laughs> you know, but you like can't understand him. Yeah, he has the um, most to say. I just learned that like the last night at your premiere was the first time that any of the kids had actually seen this movie. Correct. Which explains like some of the screaming that I heard during the thing, but describe their reactions. Like, what did they say to you after this? They said, uh, so Phoebe said, who plays Alice, she said it's her second favorite movie after <laughs> the Lorax. So it's pretty good. I think it's, it's, and it's Charlie and Skylar's favorite movie though. Oh, Lorelai, okay. she's, it's her second favorite movie after Free Guy. So, so yeah. you got two out of three. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like these are the luckiest kids in the world because they yeah. like, basically they're like zero years old and they've just been yeah. portrayed as the most awesome, cool ass heroes. Yeah. Like ever. Yeah. But it was really important for me to like, um, to wait to show the movie in, a, in the proper premiere setting. I mean, none of the kids had seen it. My family, they were there last night and they hadn't seen it yet. And then yeah, all the parents of the kids hadn't seen it. And then all the, my production designer hadn't seen it. Um, because like, yeah, I don't want to send a screener to, I want to, you know, I want to wait till the premiere and watch it in a theater with uh, everyone and just be in the ideal setting and for it to be like a satisfying experience. This was, that's like really the epitome of why we, why we make movies. So I, I teared up several times watching this movie mm. and definitely it's the story. Like it's, it's a beautiful story in a lot of ways, but there's also, I mean, and I don't think it's probably lost on too many people. It seems to like mention it, it, conjures up a childhood that I feel like we just don't get to have in America anymore. And I don't know to what extent that was your game plan. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. I wanted to create a, a timeless adventure that is, yeah, is not really seen anymore in this day and age. I tried to create a timeless, timeless, uh, kind of setting and they, the kids, you know, they do, they still have their phones, but they use them like, um, you know, like star Wars devices, like little, like utility belt devices, right they're, It's like their binoculars or they're like, you know, like Google, like how to hotwire a car real quick and then like learn it instantly. And then, you know, which is like the coolest part of like having a smartphone yeah. in my opinion. Right. And so they only use it for good. Yeah. They only use it for like cool, like things, not social media and stuff. Um, yeah. 
I did want to say that like timeless adventures can still are still possible in this day and age. Do you, do you think they are like, can we yeah. get back to like, you know, adorable beasts running wild through the forest times? Oh yeah. Have you been like to Utah or Wyoming? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I see kids like I, yeah, I was, I drove like a, or a couple months ago I was driving through and like there were these two kids with like bow and arrows, like walking down the street of this little Utah town, like I was up to no good. I was like, yeah, those are some riddle of fire kids. Western Rizzoli, it's just a pleasure to talk to you. And I love this freaking movie. Oh, so thanks thank for you. making it. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for, thanks for the great questions too. What? Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Did we get that on tape? Great. So we'll just, that's going to be the entire episode. It's just okay. you saying that. <laughs> yeah. Weston Rizzuli, if his debut film Riddle of Fire doesn't become some kind of cult hit, there is no justice in this world. While you await its release, find his short film Anaxia online, in which sorceresses drive muscle cars and can turn people into chihuahuas. Meanwhile, this episode of the Movie Podcast was written and hosted by me, Rico Galliano, Kira McKinniff produced, along with Elodie Fagan and Josefina Perez-Portillo, Sean Holdsworth edited the show, and Michelle Cho is our supervising editor, Yuri Suzuki composed our theme music, our camera crew in can included Cedric Azar, Alice Dupla, Rob Godfrey, Solal Kulo, and Matis Toti. Special thanks to Movie's additional team in can, Eric Eisenberg, Sam Letter, and Elias Malki. This series is executive produced by me, along with John Baranachea, F.H. Eccarell, Daniel Kasman, and Michael Taka. And of course, to stream the best in cinema, head over to Mubi.com to start watching. Next episode, my conversation with Elena Naversiani from the country of Georgia. Her lovely new film is about unlearning how to be a woman. Till then, shout out to the bus driver in Cannes who delayed our departure for five minutes so a passenger on the sidewalk could finish smoking a cigarette.